being part of our service today. And uh, we have a uh, uh, first-time visitor here that I got a card. Is it uh, John? I met John a little while ago. Uh, John came all the way from Dubai, right? Just No, I'm just teasing. And uh, the Dinos, friends of the Dinos from Dubai. And uh, welcome. Thanks for being part of our service today. We're honored to have you. And as always, we're uh, what a wonderful privilege it is to uh, be together this morning and open the Word of God together. And I want to ask you to do that, if you will. Turn to Second Chronicles with me. And as you do, I want us to think about, I believe, a very important aspect here, and that is, how's your heart? Or thank you, Pastor Rice. <laughs> Time out just for a moment. Wow. Thank you, girls. Thank you very much. By the way, this is all for me. Amen. Where can I hide this that Colton won't find it? Amen. Thank you. Look here, if you will, in Second Chronicles. I want to talk about a, per, a heart perfect towards God. Now, when I make that statement, and even when I type that statement this week, I thought to myself, wow, what a lofty goal, a heart perfect towards God. Because all of us realize that our heart is not perfect. We realize that we're not perfect. But I love the fact that we have a perfect God. A perfect God that loves us with a perfect love. A perfect God that has a desire for us to have the right kind of heart. And we're going to talk about that today. And a question before we look at this passage, how's your heart? How's your heart? Is it perfect towards your God? I had a heart attack this year. If you had asked me the morning before I had a heart attack, uh, Pastor Rice, how's your heart? I would have said it's great. And it was until it wasn't. So many of us, we never think about our spiritual heart. We never ponder what our heart towards God is like. But the Bible tells us here in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Let's pray together. Lord, we have the opportunity this morning to open your word. Lord, we're going to look at much scripture today as we think about our heart. Lord, not the organ that pumps blood through our body, but our spiritual heart, the center of our spirit. Well, that center of our emotion, Lord, may we answer that question of how is our heart. May we take an honest look this morning into the mirror of the Word of God. May we see ourselves not as we wish we were, but as we are. And Lord, would you work on us, 
work through us. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I feel pretty inadequate when it comes to your word. Your word is perfect. Your word is holy. Lord, I need your spirit to lead me and guide me, to speak through me. Lord, I pray you do that today. God, would you be uplifted? In your precious name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to pick on you this morning. And if you feel uh, that I have, I'm talking about you, I'm not trying to. But I wonder how many of us, either ourselves or we know someone that when we have a picture taken of us or you take a picture of someone else, they go, oh, I don't like that picture. You ever heard that before? You ever said that before? Now, Pastor Rice, uh, let me confess, you ask my family, they'll tell you that I'm honest in this aspect. Maybe not other aspects, but this one. Normally, if I hear those words, I say, you know why you don't like it? Because it looks just like you. <laughs> let's just be honest. I mean, let's take away the pretense. Let's just get down where the rubber meets the road. The reason you don't like a picture of yourself is normally because, oh, that looks like me. We, I want it to look different. <laughs> I want to look like that other person that I, I imagine myself looking like. Now, now, we don't like to say that because most of us aren't as honest as I am about that. But that's why we don't like it. Oh, my goodness, that looks like me. I want us not to look at the person that we want to be when it comes to our relationship with Christ. I, I don't want you to see yourself through whatever filter that you want to put in front of your heart. I want us to see that raw, unedited reality of our heart before God. How's your heart? The Bible speaks here about a heart that is perfect towards God. By the way, perfect in this aspect does not mean sinless or sinless perfection. It implies wholeheartedness, single-mindedness. It implies sincerity. The person whose heart is perfect towards God that we read about in 2 Chronicles is one whose heart and mind, will, desires, and aspirations have all merged with God. They too have become one. The God uh, with all our heart and with all our soul, and with all our mind. I grew up in the southern U.S., a very rural farming community. I grew up about nine miles from the nearest stop sign, and I believe that's still true today. They're quite a ways from town. If you leave, go out the back door of my parents' house, you don't enter an alley where you take your trash out for the garbage man to come. You enter a garden, and if you keep walking past that garden, you go down past the barn and past, one of, past a field, and if you go past that field, you go to another field, and if you go past that field, you find another field. If you go past that field, you fall in the river. I don't recommend going that far. It's about a 30-foot drop straight down to the river from the riverbank. But along the edge of the property, the farm I grew up on, you're going to find several trees, trees that we don't have here in northern, northwestern Canada and Alberta. 
The trees that I speak of are called Osage orange trees or sometimes called hedge apple trees, uh, sometimes called Boyce the Ark, uh, lots of different names. They're very hard wood, very, very, very hard wood. The wood is a, is a bright yellow color. And it grows these green fruits that are not fruits at all. They're useless. Uh, sometimes they call them horse apples. Uh, there are these knobby, lime green looking useless things. But those trees are along the boundaries of the farm because years ago they were planted as hedgerows. They're also called hedge apple trees. And they were planted along property divides. And there came a point in history whenever not only was there the hedge apple trees or the Osage orange trees between the property lines, but at one point in history, man started using barbed wire. How many of you have ever been around barbed wire before? It's like dental floss with teeth, and uh, it's kind of dangerous. Uh, Brother Ahmad and I went out uh, trying to kill small or large defenseless animals uh, Friday. We were unsuccessful because Brother Ahmad's a horrible guide. But we, we crossed over barbed wire, and I don't know if he saw or not, but I got stuck for a minute on the barbed wire because the barbs caught my pants as I was trying to get over. Now that barbed wire was stretched along those trees years and years and years and years ago, long before I was born. Miss Lois, dare I say, maybe, maybe when you were in elementary school, that barbed wire was strong, maybe before. But if you walk down that property line today, and if you look up not at barbed wire fence height, but if you look up about six feet off the ground or eight feet off the ground, you'll notice that those, those ancient Osage orange trees the, the tree goes up, and then there's a little bulb, and then it goes back together. And that little bulb ation sticking out of the bark is actually where that piece of barbed wire grew into the tree and became one with that tree. And if you were to chisel out the wood, you'd find the remains of that ancient barbed wire because it has become one as the tree has grown around it. When it comes to having a heart perfect towards God, I believe the best illustration is that our heart grows together, connected together with God's purpose, with God's plan for your life and for mine. I'm going to read several passages of Scripture to you this morning. I encourage you, if you have a pen, I'd encourage you to get out your pen this morning. I'm going to read several passages. You can try to turn, but... We're going to look at a lot. I'd recommend you write some verses down to look at later. I believe the Bible is uh, very powerful. I believe God would want us to use it as we look at our heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, the Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Deuteronomy 26 verse 16 says, This day the Lord God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments, and thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. In the book of Deuteronomy, again in chapter 30 and verse 2, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, 
and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul. In verse 10 of that same passage of Deuteronomy 30, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. In the book of 1 Samuel, Samuel the prophet, Samuel whom Hannah his mother cried out and begged God to give her a son. And Hannah said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Hannah's boy, Samuel, Pin the words, only fear the Lord, and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he had done for you. Christian, if we would ponder that verse, if we consider how great things God has done for us, God would have our heart. God would have our heart. Samuel said, you realize what God's done for you. Give him all your heart. God gave to the psalmist a pen in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. We don't want to pray that. We don't want to pray the prayer of the psalmist. Search me, O God, and know my heart. We want to pray, hey, Lord, uh, just you know, don't look. Let me put some filters on. Let me edit it a little bit. Let, let, let me get the lighting just right. Let me turn up to the camera. Get my heart looking good. But the psalmist prayed, Lord, search my heart. Know my heart. Know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Proverbs 30, verse 5, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart. I hope you're seeing a pattern through scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lead not to thy own understanding. He said pastor that, that's good. But that's all in the Old Testament. I mean we're living in the New Testament age. Acts chapter 8. Verse 37 the Bible says. And Philip said. If thou believest. With all thine heart. Thou mayest. And he answered and said, the Ethiopian eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Dear friend, you can get by with one leg. I've met many folks who've amputees that have lost a leg. As we come up on Remembrance Day, less than a week away, we think of those that may have sacrificed a limb for our country. So we think of those who we reverence and give thanks and remember. You can live with one leg. You can get by with one arm. You can get by with one eye. One hand. By the way, you can get by with one lung. If you have to. One kidney. You can get by with half a stomach. But you need your whole heart. Physically. 
Dear friend, you and I need a heart that is whole, a heart that is perfect and complete towards our God. Just as the heart is the most important part of your physical body, a spiritual heart is so important. I want to give you a couple of very simple thoughts this morning as we ponder a heart perfect towards God. As we ask the question, how's your heart? How's my heart? Number one, I want you to know that every one of us were born. We, we started in this life. The moment we took our first breath crying, as that doctor spanked the backside of you, and you began to take that first breath, we took our first breath in this world. Every person, every person, no matter your background, no matter your culture, no matter your family history, we all started breathing in this world with a heart condition. With a heart condition. A spiritual heart condition. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and wicked. Now hold on. <laughs> that, that doesn't line up with our worldly philosophy and teaching. That doesn't line up with what I've heard all my life, Pastor. That doesn't line up with what I was taught in school. That, maybe that doesn't line up with what your parents taught you. The Bible says let God be true. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah the weeping prophet who went out preaching every day and calling for repentance of God's people and calling out their sinfulness and telling them the judgment of God every day and not one person would listen. Not one convert. Jeremiah 17.9, God gave the weeping prophet the words to pen, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it oh but I, I just want to follow my heart no if I follow my heart my natural heart my natural inclination God says not man not a religion not a church God says in his word that the heart's deceitful not a good plan Hebrews 3 verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart. Now, God defines that evil heart a bit here. And we find in the book of Hebrews a definition of what it is to have an evil heart. It says an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. By the way, it doesn't speak of an evil heart of doing bad things. Now, our heart, an evil heart, will lead to evil decisions. Evil decisions will lead to evil things. But the Bible defines that evil heart as a heart of unbelief. Unbelief. Now, it's not, I don't have any belief. It's unbelief in God. There's two different things. I can place belief, or if you let me use the word faith, in many, many, many different things. But if my faith is not in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
my faith is the wrong place. I, I don't have belief. So I believe in this or I believe in that. The only belief that matters, the only place that my faith ever should be, is in Jesus Christ. An evil heart of unbelief, the Bible says, in departing from the living God. By the way, when I don't believe, I'm not getting closer to God. I'm getting farther away from God. I'm departing. I'm leaving. How many of you have ever tried to uh, get on the bus, and just as you almost got to the bus stop, the bus pulled away? Sean, you've been there a few times, I'm sure. Many of you that take the bus often. Like, oh, man, now I've got to wait for 20 minutes on another bus. And you're like, man, can I run all the way to the next bus stop? Can I make it? Man, I'm going farther away. Dear friend, when you have a heart of unbelief, and all of us are born with a heart of unbelief. I don't care what your family background is. I don't care what culture you were raised up in. It doesn't matter what language you spoke at birth. It doesn't matter what religious affiliation your family has or had. Every one of us are born with a heart of unbelief. And that heart of unbelief does not cause us to get closer to God. It causes us to depart, to go away. The Bible speaks of that in Hebrews. Proverbs chapter 6 speaks of a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. It goes on in the same book in Proverbs 28, 25 to say, He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. I must have put a lot of trust in the Lord, Brother Maud. I've been made fat. It's not talking about that layer of warmth you have around your middle, although some of us have that layer of warmth, amen? It's talking about being made fat spiritually, growing spiritually, having that right heart towards God. Acts chapter 8, verse 21. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Dear friend, unless something happens... Unless something supernatural happens in your life and in mine, unless there's a supernatural event that takes place, I have a heart that is not right before God. We're all there. Say, but pastor, I'm, I'm, I do good stuff. I, I do this and I do that and I do all these good things, but God says that my heart is not right. God's not concerned with what you do. Can I tell you the Bible says that your good works? How many of you think we should do good works? I do. I think we should, I think we should do good. I think we should obey the word of God. I, I think it's plain that the, the God who created us has the right and is justified in telling us how to live. I believe God's word, God's, God's law, I believe it applies to me and applies to you whether you want it to or not, whether you agree with it or not. I believe we ought to obey it. But if I do my best and I try to obey all of God's laws and keep all, 
the best I can. God says about my righteousness. And by the way, when I do good, that's righteousness. God says about my righteousnesses that they are as filthy rags. And we hear the word filthy rags, we go, yeah, you know, wash my hand, that's a dirty rag, I throw it away. That's not the kind of rag God was talking about. And Isaiah, when it speaks of that filthy rag, it's speaking about the dressing off of a leprous wound that is soaked with that putridness. That rag, that dressing off of that wound, God says your goodness, your righteousness, your holiness that you hold up to me and say, hey God, look what I've done. And God says they're like filthy rags. They don't impress God. But I, I go to church, as God says, that doesn't impress me. But I, I, I did good this week. I, 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 did nice, I did nice things, and I, I, I did this thing and that thing. I believe we should do them. Don't get me wrong. But when you try to hold that up to God and impress God, God goes, what? I drive a 1991 Ford Festiva around town. Last night, I stopped by, after I left the office, I stopped by Lizzie and John's house. And when I did, I pulled up in front of, of course, Mark and Angelica live upstairs. Angelica was walking out the front door. She was going to Costco. I got out of the car, and I said, hi, Angelica. And she went, oh, Pastor Rice. She never seen me driving that car before. And she said, Seeing you get out of that car, just, just something didn't make sense for a couple minutes there. <laughs> but Mike, when I pull up beside of a fancy car and I park my car and get out, they don't go, wow, that's a really nice car. <laughs> they look at me and go, does that run? <laughs> does it have a steering wheel? Is there like a squirrel in a cage that runs around? You put your feet in you like the Flintstones. They're not impressed. You know, if I pulled up beside of a, I rented uh, this last summer, I told the story, I went to rent a car when I was for the Mackay's meeting, and the rental car company gave me a, a Ford Mustang GT instead of the little teeny piece of junk car that I was supposed to rent. I highly enjoyed that car. It's not quite as nice as my Ford Festiva, but I highly enjoyed it. But if I pulled up beside of a Mustang GT, that guy in the Mustang GT is not going to roll his window down. Except I roll my window down this way, he would do this. But he's not going to go, hey, that's a nice car. He's going to go, don't touch my car with that. We pull up before God with our righteousness. And we think God's going to be impressed. God's not impressed with your righteousness. God sees your heart. He sees past your righteousness to your heart. And unless there's something supernatural that happens, we are in a condition where we have a heart that the Bible says is, has a serious problem. Proverbs says, he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord 
should be made fat. I read a moment ago. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, the book of the preacher. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3, this is an evil among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live and after that they go to the dead. The Bible says because of our evil heart. Because of our evil heart we go to death. The Bible speaks about that death in the New Testament as eternal death, hell. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6 verse 45 it says the good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringing forth that which is evil. Whatever comes out of an evil heart, whether we, th we say or call it good, God says it's evil. The Bible speaks of the last days men shall call evil good and good evil. We live in those days today. The day when our culture holds up that which is unholy and wicked and evil and says, hey, this is good, this should be your aim. Those are the days we live in. God says that evil comes out of evil. Matthew 15, verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. Would you open your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter number 16? I said that we're all brought into this world with a heart condition. We're all born with an evil heart. And unless we something supernatural happens, it's going to stay that way. Number two this morning, very quickly, as you look there in your Bibles, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, I want you to realize that God sees your heart. God sees my heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And dear friend, God sees your heart too. God was looking for the heart of David, a heart that God said was a man after God's own heart. The world looked at David and saw a small little shepherd boy, the least of his father's house. And they said he'll never do anything. But God said Samuel. I look on the heart. I was speaking this week. Of a wonderful pastor. Faithful servant of the Lord. Brother Rick Martin. Pastor Martin has pastored in Iloilo City. In the Philippines now for I believe maybe 40, maybe 42, 43 years. The Martin and his wife came from the United States years ago as missionaries. 
have a great ministry there, have a Bible college, and probably, I would say, one of the greatest mission works in the world. Easily, one top two or three in the world. And you would imagine a great preacher, great missionary, great worker, great servant of the Lord. If you would imagine him, you'd imagine a, a big, powerful man. But you would not be imagining Rick Martin. Rather, if you see him, he's just a small, very frail, very frail man. But God sees his heart. Dear friend, God is not impressed with your physique. He's not impressed with how you look. He's not impressed with what you present to the world. Because he sees past all that. He sees your heart. Unfiltered. Raw. Unedited. God sees your heart. Now if I'm born with a heart problem, then I'm born with an evil heart. If I'm born with a heart that is not right with my God. And if God sees that, there's a problem. Because one day, every one of us are going to stand before him. And I can't hide, I can't try to cover up my sin. God's going to see past it. And he's going to see my heart. Cain, Adam's son, he tried to bring religion to God and say, hey, God, look, look, I'm worshiping you. This is my religion. This is the way I worship you, God. I bring sacrifices of all I've done. I, I bring all my good works before you. And God, I worship you with my religion. And God said, Cain, I still see your heart. And God still sees yours. He's not impressed with my religion either. He's not impressed with my sacrifice either. He's not impressed with my quote-unquote goodness either. Because he sees my heart. So I must believe with my heart. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. First Samuel says only, chapter 12 and verse 24, says only fear the Lord and serve him with all your heart. For consider how great things he's done for you. Like David of old, David the shepherd boy king, David the man with a heart after God, may we, like David, Hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against God. Let us cry out as David cried out in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. O oh God, renew a right spirit in me. We need a new heart. Before our heart can ever be perfect towards God, every person in this room 
every person that's ever born must first have a new heart. Ezekiel the prophet. Ezekiel the one that God sent to go preach to a valley full of dry bones. And as Ezekiel preached, the bones started coming together and the flesh came on the bones. And God, I'm not sure if I'd have kept preaching or not. I, Brother Bonnie, I might have been afraid. I don't know. I, but Ezekiel kept preaching. Now, I've, I've done just the opposite of Ezekiel. I've done the opposite miracle. I've preached and watched people, I think, almost die as I'm preaching. But Ezekiel preached the dry bones and the preaching of the Word of God brought them together and gave life. That same preacher, that same prophet, Ezekiel, God gave him the words to pen in Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. A new heart. A new heart also will I put within you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And listen to the words of the prophet. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Dear friend, can I tell you the only way that we can have a perfect heart towards God is first of all, we have to have a new heart from God. I remember the day when God gave me a new heart. You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, there was a day that I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and I trusted Him as my Savior. I realized I... I was lost. I realized that I had a heart that was far from God. I realized that the answer was not works. It was not religion. It was not trying to rectify the wrongs I've done. It was not trying to satisfy the holiness of God. And I realized the only answer was calling on Him as my Savior. When you did that, my friend, God put a new heart. A new heart in the place of that heart of stone. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I don't know the Lord. Not, not personally. You can know Him beyond just knowing His name and knowing what He's done. You can have an intimate relationship with a God who literally wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And then, God wants to work on your heart. He wants to work on your heart. He wants you to have a heart that grows together with his heart. That has the same desire, the same thoughts. Early this morning, I walked down the stairs in my home. I did not walk down the stairs alone. I had a, a big, quite shaggy friend with me as I walked down the stairs. I went downstairs. Yeti went downstairs. Yeti wanted to go outside. I wanted to go to the espresso machine. Yeti went out the door. I made some coffee. I went and sat down. Just as I got sat down, Yeti wanted to come back inside. What I wanted to do, I wanted to sit down. I wanted to relax. I wanted to drink my coffee. And enjoy the blessed being. Amen. But after Yeti came inside, as I was trying to drink my coffee, he had a different opinion of what we should do. He thought that I needed to pet him. 
He didn't care that I wanted to drink my coffee. All he cared about was pet me now. And as I'm trying to drink my coffee, that big white paw, he's leaning his weight on me. (laughs) Get down. And just constantly, I want you to pet me. That's what I want. He didn't care about my coffee. He didn't care about me. All he cared about was him. Christian, so often, rather than caring about what God cares about, all we care about is us. So often, we don't care about what God says. We care about how we feel or what we want or how we think. And we look at God and say, hey, God, I don't care about that. Lord, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I, I want this. And God sees our heart. God sees that our heart is not a perfect heart towards God. It's not meshed with what God wants. Dear friend, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, can I tell you that God desires, His great desire for you and for me is for our heart to mesh with His heart. For our heart to be whole and complete, following after Him. We read verse after verse after verse. And I could have gone for hours this morning. We could look for days at God's Word telling us to have a heart. A right heart after God. But it takes a step of obedience. It takes a step of yielding. To let God work on the heart that he gave you. For Christian, that heart that we're speaking about, if you're a child of God, is that new heart we read about in the book of Ezekiel. He's the one that made it. He's the one that knows best how it ought to be. I'm reminded of that old story of Mr. Henry Ford. Henry Ford was driving down the road in one of his cars he had built, and he noticed that one of the cars he had built also was on the side of the road, broken down. Mr. Henry Ford pulled over behind the broken down car. I wasn't there. But I can guarantee you this is what was happening. Guarantee it. Because every man that has ever broken down since that man has done the same thing. The hood was open. Not the front because the old Ford's side hood was open. And he was standing there with his arms crossed looking at it. Had no idea what to do. But that's what we do, right? Pop the hood. Just look. And as he's standing there looking at that enormous engine, here comes a stranger. That stopped, which, that was nice. And Mr. Ford, Mr. Henry Ford, looked at this man who was standing there looking at his broken down car. And he said to, Mr. Ford said to him, Sir, can I help you? The guy was upset. Angry even. And Mr. Ford told the story years later, that the man basically said, you can't do anything, get out of here. So Henry Ford walked back to his car, got in his car and drove away. 
as the man said to the creator of the car that he was driving. The man who designed it, who created it, was his baby. You can't do anything. Christian, how many times do we look at the God that made us? The God that gave us that new heart. How many times do we say to God, you can't help me. I'm struggling right now, but yeah, nothing you can do about it, God. I got to deal with it myself. <clears throat> this last month, I've heard that statement twice. From the mouth of professing believers. I'm, just, I'm working on something else. I just, I'm just trying to work through something myself. I don't need to work through something myself. I need to let the God that gave me that heart make my heart what it ought to be. Dear friend, this morning, I'm not here saying I've got a perfect heart. I'm not here this morning to lift up and say, hey, let me show you a perfect heart. I'm here this morning to say, hey, let us all look at our hearts. Number one, do you have a new heart given to you by God? Has there been a supernatural event that has happened in your life called salvation? Have you been born again? If not this morning, would you come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him to give you a new heart? Christian, if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, I've got that new heart. I, I, I can remember the day that I was born again, that God gave me that new heart, a heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone. And I ask you this morning, how's your heart? Is it perfect towards God? Well, it's not quite. Would you surrender to him this morning? The one who created you, the one that gave you that heart. And would you yield to his work in your life to make your heart fully as it ought to be? The Lord, the Bible says, as we open our text this morning, is looking through all the earth for those whose heart is perfect towards him. May we have that perfect heart. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray you'd work in us and through us today. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you for salvation made possible by the empty tomb, by the shed blood on Calvary. We thank you for dying in our place that we might have life eternal. Lord, if it were possible for me to do enough good things, for me to find a way to you, then Lord, you never would have come and died in my place. But, Lord, you tell us it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Rather, you did everything. You cried out from the cross, it is finished. Lord, you did the full work of salvation already. There's nothing I can do today. All I could do was receive it. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning that's never truly been born again. Lord, I pray today that they would take a look at their heart, unedited, unfiltered, that they would see it as it is before you, 
an evil heart of unbelief. Lord, may they see themselves the way you see them. But Lord, also I pray they would see the love of God. God, may they know that you love them so much that you died for them. And Lord, may they believe your word when it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from hell, saved to heaven. Lord, I pray you'd do a heart transplant this morning. Lord, I don't know who, but somebody here this morning no doubt needs a new heart. Lord, I pray they would yield to your work. Lord, I know that there's many, 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 many Christians, myself included, who need our heart to be more perfect towards you. Lord, may we ask you to help us. May we be intertwined with what you desire, what you want. May we care about what you care about. May we love what you love. Lord, push out our selfishness and our pride. That, Lord, we might live for you. Lord, I pray that we as believers would look at our heart. That we'd see it. Flaws and all. And, Lord, we would ask you to make us what we ought to be. God, would you work on us today? Help us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.